Jesus' teaching is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. He tackles tough issues head on. When we think of the wonderful things that God has given us, we know that the gift of Jesus Christ and the salvation that comes through Christ is the greatest gift humanity has ever received. Perhaps the second greatest gift humanity has ever received is the magnificent prayer called the Lord's Prayer. Here is what Jesus says about how to pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Well, here we are, just days away from Christmas. And I've got to say that Christmas 2020 will be like no Christmas I've ever known in my entire life. It's a difficult time, and some of us are tempted to ask God, where are you in all of this? We're tempted to maybe despair. We're tempted to feel that God has abandoned us, that maybe somehow God does not answer prayer. So what do we do when times are difficult? How do we react? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, verse 5 to 18, he says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So let me encourage you right off the top here to change your attitude, open your heart up to what God wants to do in your life. I believe that this is a very unique time for us, a unique moment in our, in our lives where we have a chance, an opportunity to focus fully and completely on the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that we don't normally and I, I pray that you'll do just that. And you'll find yourself rejoicing and being thankful. In fact, I heard a few young moms saying that they're very thankful for Christmas this year. They don't have to worry about cooking meals. They don't have to worry about doing anything. And uh, that's really the right attitude, I think. I think we need to stop and consider what good things does God want to do in our lives, in our families, but most importantly, in our own hearts. Now, my prayer during this Christmas season for our church and for people that I know, is that you will discover in a very powerful way the presence of the Lord, perhaps in a way that you have never experienced God or perhaps in a way that you haven't experienced God in a long, long time. Most of us remember when we first became Christians how close and how tight and how intimate was our relationship with God. This Christmas is an opportunity to experience that once again but it's going to take time. It takes time to stop what you're doing and to focus on the Lord. Last week, I reminded you that Jesus Christ is called Emmanuel. And I want to remind you of that one more time. And here's that picture. Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. And he is called Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, to know the glorious sense of his presence. If you are born again, and if you've had a good and a real relationship with God, you know exactly what it is 
to experience God's presence. My prayer is indeed that you will experience God in this way. You are not alone. God wants you to know that. You are not alone. And when this message came to Israel, they felt alone. They felt God had abandoned them. They felt, where is our God? We're crying out to him, but it seems that he's nowhere around. And certainly at the time that Jesus was born, Israel was under the boot of Rome. Roman, a Roman governor, Roman soldiers, they governed Israel and they governed Israel severely. If ever there was a time when Israel needed to know that they were not alone, it was when Jesus was born. Well, I think we're, we're kind of in those times right now. I don't think it's as difficult as it was, obviously, when Jesus was born, but it's still difficult. And God wants you to know that you are not alone. He's near to you. He's with you. He's not forgotten about you. He has not forsaken you. I pray that you will find yourself reaching out to the one who is called Emmanuel, God with us. Sadly, for too many of us, we have been ignoring the one who is with us. Nobody likes to be ignored. In fact, it's considered extremely rude. And some would say that it shows a real lack of understanding of what true relationships are really all about. Hey, look at God reveals himself as our father and he does not want to be ignored. Nobody likes to be ignored. He wants to be acknowledged. He wants to be loved. He wants your attention. So let this Christmas be the event that changes our lives. That this is the time when we experience God in a way that we've never experienced God before. Now, here's the beautiful thing. If you are born again, if you are a Christian, then the scripture is clear that we have the right. That's right. I said the right to come to God's throne with our prayer requests, with our needs, with our petitions. Why do we have the right? Because we come in the name of Jesus. And it's through Christ that we have this great gift. Jesus Christ, God with us, is also the one who gives us access to the throne of God. Now, we have been going through the Lord's Prayer uh, back about three weeks, four weeks ago. We, we uh, began uh, teaching a little bit about how not to pray. We said, first of all, don't pray like the hypocrites who are just doing it for show. It's not real. It's just a spiritual exercise for everybody's consumption so everybody can see how spiritual we are. Jesus said, don't do that. The second thing Jesus said is don't pray like the pagans who, who don't have any relationship with God. The pagans would, would hopefully, uh, they were hoping that they would pray and repeat phrases and repeat prayer requests over and over again. It was kind of a mindless repetition. Jesus, don't pray like the pagans. But this is how you should pray. And he taught us then the Lord's Prayer. Here's what he said. He said, pray like this. And then in Luke, Luke 11, whenever you pray, pray like this. The disciples understood that they didn't really know how to approach God. They didn't really understand what it was that they were supposed to pray. And so they asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us, because we, we, don't, we don't know how to have a relationship with God. And the fact is, none of us do. Every one of us needs to be taught how 
to have a relationship with God. So Jesus teaches us what, what not to do, how not to pray, and now he's teaching us how to pray. And so last week we did the first half of the Lord's Prayer. And these are the, we would call them the first three petitions that focus on God and his will. And, uh, and if you haven't heard that, I would invite you to please go to our website and, and listen to that. Because this is the pattern that you and I need to follow. I've been praying this prayer, the Lord's Prayer now, for the last, well, over 30 years. And it revolutionized my life. And I can tell you that I feel a confidence when I pray. I feel that I'm praying exactly the way God wants me to pray. Can I remind you that when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're not just speeding through this prayer as though it were uh, some kind of a magic prayer formula. That's, that's how pagans pray. We have a relationship with God. So we're not speeding through it. We're taking our time going through each petition. It's, it's like the agenda that you would have in a meeting. You go through each petition, each item on the agenda, and you cover it off, and, and then you move on to the next item on the agenda. Well, that's really what's happening when we pray, isn't it? We're coming into the very throne room of God, uh, and, and there we meet with the Father, and there we bring these prayer requests to Him, and we talk to Him, and we tell Him what's in our heart. We tell Him what we're thinking. We tell Him how we feel, and then we ask God, God, show me your will. Show me what you want me to do, and God, give me the grace to do that. So the first, the first half of the prayer focuses on God, and the second half of the prayer focuses on us and our needs. So I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 6, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And uh, here's what it says. Matthew 6, starting at verse 9, Jesus says, Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the first half. Now we move to the second half of the prayer. Verse 11, give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but you rescue us from the evil one. So we, we pray to the Father and we bring our prayer requests, our needs to him. We share with him what's troubling our hearts and uh, we, but we, first of all, we, we give him our praise and our worship because that is how it begins. Our Father in heaven, we come into his throne room and we bring praise to him and we give him thanks. The first thing that I do every day when I pray is I always give God thanks for his son, Jesus, who has given me the right to come to his throne. Now, when you become a Christian, you need to understand this, you become part of God's family. Uh, look what it says here in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 16. And Paul says to the believers in Rome, he says, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Abba is the Aramaic name for, for father. And Paul goes on to say, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are, in fact, God's children. Folks, I want to tell you something. And you have to get this clear in your head and in your hearts. If your prayer is going to have any meaning, if your prayer is going to get anywhere, 
God is your father. You need to get that in your head. He's your father. He's not a distant God that is unreachable and unknowable. He is your father, and he wants to take good care of you. Did you hear that? He's your father, and he wants to take good care of you. Jesus tells us uh, if, if earthly fathers know how to take care of their children, how much more does our Father in heaven know how to give good gifts to us and take good care of us? You need to get this in your head. Whenever you're praying, you're praying to your loving heavenly Father. And here's the other thing you need to know, is that this is not just, uh, uh, this is not just man's idea. It's not theologians that, try, that came up with this idea that God is a Father who wants to take care of us. This was Jesus' idea. This is the teaching of Christ. Right now we're in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, next, uh, the next chapter, Matthew chapter 7, here's what Jesus says. Um, uh, actually, let's take a look at, first of all, what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 7. He says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. This is what God wants to do. He wants to meet your needs. He wants to satisfy the longings of your heart. And then again in Matthew chapter 7, he says, keep on asking and you will receive uh, what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So do you get this? This is really important you understand this. God wants you to come to him so that he can meet your needs. God wants you to bring your prayer request to him. It's his idea. And I think a lot of people, when they go into prayer, they cross their fingers and they hope that, that the God in the, in, in the heavens, the God in the universe will somehow hear and maybe, maybe do something. This is pagan thinking. We don't come hoping that God will hear our prayers. We come with confidence and with boldness based on our faith in Christ and based on the promises of God's word. So we come with confidence and assurance that God, first of all, loves us and that God wants us to bring our prayer requests to him and that, as Jesus tells us here, ask anything you want and it will be granted. Now, remember last week we talked about how we pray, Father, not my will, but thine be done, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you are praying and asking, you're asking according to the will of God. And Jesus makes it clear, when you are praying and asking for anything according to the will of God, it will be granted. It's plain and as simple as that. I told you I've been praying this prayer for over 30 years, and I can tell you that God has answered more prayers than I can even count. And I'll tell you, it's, it's amazing. I'll, sit, I'll be sitting there reflecting and thinking of the many, many ways. We're saying, I'm saying hundreds, thousands of ways that God has answered my prayers and provided and met my needs and the needs of my family. God wants to do that for you because we have a relationship with the Father and we belong to the family. We belong to the family that Jesus Christ, it was through Jesus Christ that this was established. And so you need to get this in your heart. If you don't get this in your heart, then, then your pray, prayers are probably hitting the, the ceiling. It, it's, it's not getting anywhere because you don't, 
You're not praying by faith, believing that you are part of God's family. So we, we've established that. We're part of God's family. So now what we need to do is we need to look at these next petitions. When I was young and before I learned to pray the Lord's Prayer, here's what I would do. I would come before the Lord with all my urgent needs. This is what we normally do, isn't it? We, 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 we come to God out of breath, uh, panicked, full of anxiety, maybe full of fear, uh, maybe full of guilt. And we are just uh, coming to God and desperately hoping, fingers crossed, that God will hear us and that God will do something. God, <laughs> the Lord Jesus has taught us this prayer. And I'm going to tell you, it's brilliant. Because what we need to do, and you need to remember this, when you come to prayer, is first begin with God. And it's only, only halfway through the prayer that we get to us and what we need. Now, again, I, my natural instinct is when I'm, when I'm desperate, when I'm in trouble, come to God and start gushing all my needs. And God says, no, no, just relax now. Wait and let's build up your faith. Let's, let's remind you that I am the God in heaven. I'm your father. I'm the one who is able to make you holy. I have given my Holy Spirit who dwells in you, who enables you to live this life. I am the God who's establishing my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I am the God who cares about you and has a plan for your life. I am the God who's advancing the kingdom here in Winnipeg, in Canada, and around the world. So just relax, don't panic. All your needs are legitimate. But first remember, God says, Remember who I am. It's my will that matters, not your will. And when you get that clear in your heart, I'll tell you folks, it's liberating because now you can relax and you can let Abba Father be Abba Father. I remember when I was a kid, my, uh, I was the kind of kid that wanted to take, take over, take charge. And if I felt that my dad wasn't wasn't uh, doing his job right, then I would be very happy to tell him what to do. And I remember one time we were driving down the highway and it had a lot of, um, I didn't know what it was, I was a kid, but there were a lot of, a lot of uh, cracks in the road and, and uh, these, the, they're expansion cracks that, that they actually cut into the highway. But in the wintertime, uh, as we're driving down the highway, it actually sounded like we had a flat tire. And I kept saying to my dad, Dad, you need to stop. We need to look at the tires. We need to find out what's going on. And finally, my dad, in, in exasperation, turned around and said, look it, I'm your father. I know what's going on. You can relax. Don't worry about this. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was put in my place. I was reminded I'm not the father and I don't know everything. That's exactly what God wants us to know. He's the Father in heaven. He knows what he's doing. You don't have to tell God how to do his job. You need to relax and let God be God. And once you've done that, then you come and you come with your next petitions. The petitions that deal with your spiritual needs and your physical needs. And I can assure you that God wants to meet all your needs. Now, remember, this Lord's Prayer is an agenda. It's a guideline to help you to pray. I call it the skeleton. And when you come to prayer, you put meat on the skeleton. That's really what we're talking about. And you need to do this every day. Now, the very first thing, oh, by the way, let me just add this. 
you need to learn this, and it, t it takes practice. It doesn't come like that, and it, it, it takes some, it really have to work, work on it. But I'll tell you that it doesn't take that long before this becomes a habit, and you know exactly how to use this prayer model. And so here's the thing. Jesus says, whenever you pray, pray like this. But the second thing I want to point out is that you need to teach your children this. You need to get them well on their way and used to praying through the Lord's Prayer. Gloria and I, whenever we pray together, we always pray through the Lord's Prayer because it is a guide that makes us really feel that we've, we've, touched, we, we've touched on everything we need to, to pray about and we've, uh, we've covered every base, if, if you will. So this is, what, this is what Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us how to get it right. So here's the very first petition. For petition number four, give us this day our daily bread. The thing that I want to... Uh, I want you to, to recognize, first of all, is that we're talking about our daily bread, and obviously we need more than daily bread to live, but uh, I think that this is a, a reference to the manna that the children of Israel received every day while they were going through the wilderness. And you'll notice that it was daily. It was every day the manna came, and uh, they, were, they were taught how to, how to live daily depending on God and on God alone. Through, through these years in the wilderness receiving this manna, this bread of heaven, they were reminded that God is actually the one who provides and meets their every need. So every day you come to the Father and you say, Father, here are my needs today. And, and you may pray for more than just bread. Pray that God would, would provide for you and meet your needs, that God would provide for your church, meet the needs of the church, and meet the needs of the folks in Burundi. Uh, I want you to see that it's, it's give us this day our daily bread. So we're not just praying for ourselves. We're praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're praying for our family. God, meet, meet our needs. Fathers, we look to you. Help us to see that you are the one who will indeed meet our needs according to your promises. I want you to also uh, understand that you need to be very specific. You need to say, God, uh, here's, here are the things that I need. Tell him. And I know some people think, well, is that like a, like a, a shopping list or is it like a, a, a want list, a Christmas list? Well, kind of, but not really. Because here's the thing, every day we know what we need. And so every day you need to say, God, this is what I need, and please meet this need. And you will find, as I have found, and as many, many millions of Christians before me have found, is that God keeps his promises and God will indeed meet your needs. So do this because God has instructed us to through Christ. We just talk about how Jesus came to die for us. Well, first, Jesus came to live for us, and he shows us how to live this Christian life. I want you to um, uh, understand something. Um, I want you to see the dailiness in this prayer. It's a, it's a daily experience. And, and why is this? And I'll tell you why. It's because our Father in Heaven wants a daily experience with us, a daily relationship, not just on Sundays, not just at Easter time or at Christmas time. Every day, He wants to walk with us. He wants us to experience His hand on our lives. So it's a beautiful picture. The next thing we want to point out to you, petition number five, Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus is calling us to live a life of repentance. 
In case you don't know what repentance is, it means you're going in that direction, and when you repent, you turn and you go in the other direction. That's basically it. There's your old way of living, the ways of the world, the ways of, of sin, and the ways that are contrary to the will of God. And by the way, anything that's contrary to the will of God in your life is in fact sin. So Jesus calls us to this life of repentance where we learn to ask God every day for forgiveness. God, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those who sin against us. One of the things that uh, really piqued my interest in Pastor Andrew when I interviewed him is uh, in, in the course of our conversation, I asked him what books he read. And one of the books he read was by one of the Puritans whose name is Thomas Watson. Thomas Watson wrote a simple little book called The Doctrine of Repentance. As soon as I heard that that Pastor Andrew had read that book, I was instantly engaged, I was instantly excited, because this is something that is very rare today. It's very rare to find anybody who understands, first of all, that we need to live a life of repentance, but it's quite another thing for those uh, to find somebody who's actually living that out. And I found out later, of course, that Pastor Joel also had read that book. Apparently, that was something they had to read in Bible college. Absolutely thrilled me. Listen, you and I every day need to come to the Father and repent of our sins. We need to ask God to forgive us. And you need to be specific. Don't be general, because you know when you, when you fail God. You know when you fall short. And this is the great, great privilege of those who are born again. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross because of our sin. And everybody who puts their faith in Christ they will find forgiveness. They will find that God is, is willing to forgive sin. Confess your sins to the Lord, and he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's sad to me that so many Christians do not understand this. They feel that they've got to be perfect, and they feel that somehow, someway, they have got to live in such a way where they never sin. And I'm going to tell you, it's not possible to live like that. Jesus alone was perfect, and you will never be perfect until you enter into eternal life, until you enter into, into glory, into heaven. In the meantime, every day we come to the Lord and we confess our sin to him. Not, not in a way that is mechanical, but a way that comes from the heart. God, I'm truly sorry for failing you. And the good news is God loves us, and God wants to forgive us. In fact, he wants to cleanse our hearts. This is one of the great themes in the Psalms, in case you haven't read the Psalms yet. I challenge you to do that and look to see how the psalmist rejoiced that his sins were forgiven. Let me just read this to you from Psalm 32 and the first uh, five verses. David says, Blessed or happy is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered or atoned for. Blessed is the one, happy is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, that is when I, when I did not confess my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, 
I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Wow. This is what God wants you to experience every day. I believe that there are a lot of people who are struggling with sin, and there's a depression. There's a kind of a depression that goes along with guilt, and God doesn't want us to go through life like that. Now, can I tell you something? The thing that gives you joy and happiness is not that you never ever sin again, although that will bring joy and happiness to us in heaven, but that you find forgiveness here and now, every day. You pray, God, forgive me my sin as I have forgiven others who have sinned against me. But again, notice that there's an hour and an us in there. This is how the community of believers function. We forgive one another and we ask God, forgive us even as we forgive others. Now, I got to just uh, remind you. And God's mercies are new every morning. If you are listening right now and you feel overburdened with sin and guilt, don't carry it another moment. Come to the Father in the name of Jesus, the one who has washed your sin away. Ask him to forgive you and he will do that and he will give you grace. Ask for grace and strength to live a life that pleases the Father. You'll notice that it says, uh, forgive us our sins, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Don't forget when you're praying and asking God for forgiveness, that you tell God that you forgive those who have sinned against you. You cannot hold unforgiveness in your heart, otherwise God cannot forgive you. Keep that in mind. I'm gonna talk about that next Sunday, by the way. And I think it's a great way to end the year, a great way to begin the new year thinking about our relationships here on earth. So we, uh, we have learned to pray for what we need. We've learned to pray for God, God's forgiveness. We're living a, a repentant life. We're living a life that is before the Father, asking for forgiveness. And then finally, this last petition. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. James 1 verse 13 tells us that God can neither tempt nor be tempted. This is not who God is. So some people, when they read this, they have no idea what this means. Understand that, that God is our shepherd. He is our good shepherd and he leads us. Psalm 23 comes to mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He leads me beside quiet waters. He, he, he forces me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. We're talking about the leading of God in our lives. And you're asking God for this kind of leading in your life so that you don't fall into temptation. Another way to put it is God, as you're leading me, lead me through the times of testing. And every one of us is, a, is going to experience testing in our lives. There's not one of us who will not. Even Jesus, when he was on earth, was tested. And the difference between Christ and us is that Jesus passed every test. Sadly, we don't always pass the test. In fact, we all, all of us fail uh, on a regular basis. But the good news is that if you are praying this prayer every day, you will find that you, are, you begin to mature in your faith so that you don't keep falling into the same temptations. You begin to start passing the tests. 
in, in school, you have to pass certain tests before you can graduate and go on to the next level, go into the next grade. That's really the way it is in our walk with God. You need to mature in your faith. You need to pass these tests and you need God's help in passing those tests. That's what Jesus is saying here. Ask, first of all, be aware of the temptations. Be aware of the testing. And you see this throughout the scripture. God's people are always tested and God expects them to pass those tests. But what we're doing is, or what we're saying here is, God, I can't pass this test on my own. I need your help. And every day now, you need to be in the habit of asking God for grace and for guidance. What this, what this petition does is it causes us to be aware of our need of God at work in us every day. It's a beautiful picture. God, lead me through the test. Help me to get through this time of testing. And then you're going to say, Lord, uh, I, I, need, I need your help and your protection from Satan. Satan is vicious. Can I just tell you that? He's vicious and he will stop at nothing to destroy you. You need to be aware of that. Every day you're reminding yourself that there is an enemy who hates you and wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. But every day you come before the Lord and you say, God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You come before God and you say, Lord, I know you are greater. I know that I can escape the powers of darkness. I can escape evil because you are greater. Hallelujah. Every day pray this prayer, Jesus tells us. It's, there's, there's, there's a dailiness about our faith that most of us don't understand, but we'll talk about that another time. For now, understand that you and I need to pass every test. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you remember that? They had one test and they failed it. Satan tempted them and they gave in to temptation. And now Jesus is teaching us how to overcome temptation, to pass every test. That's a sign of spiritual maturity and growth in your life. Let me just close with this. A lot of people, and I'm getting back to this, this, this understanding of who God is. God is your father and he wants to help you every day. This is who God is. Most people don't have any clue of who God is. They don't know that God is our father. There's a lot of Christians that don't know that. And sadly, there's a lot of ministers and preachers that don't fully appreciate or understand this basic truth. I was reading uh, about a minister from Upland, California, Reverend Benison, the rector of St. Mark's Church. And uh, I just want you to listen to what he has to say. He says, there are few causes to which I am more passionately committed than that of Santa Claus. What? Santa Claus deserves not just any place in the church, but the highest place of honor, where he should be enthroned as the long-bearded ancient of days, the divine and holy one whom we call God. Are you shocked? I can tell you what I heard that. I couldn't believe what I was reading. He goes on to say, Santa Claus is God the Son. You better watch out. You better not pout. Santa Claus is coming to town. He knows whether you've been good or bad. He slips into the secrets of the heart as easily as he slips down the chimney. And we wonder why Christians 
don't know who God is. But wait, there's more. Santa Claus is God the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, in whose hand is a pack bursting at its seams with the gifts of his creation. Santa Claus is God the Holy Spirit who comes with a sound of gentle laughter, with a shape like a bowl full of jelly, and he comes in the night to sow the seeds of good humor. Like, are you ready to vomit yet? Santa Claus indeed deserves the exalted and enthroned place in the church, for he is God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. I've seen him in the toy store. I even saw him in his car on the freeway the other day when I saw him with his crazy beard in his baggy suit. I saw more than the seasonal merchant of cheap plastic toys. I saw no less than the triune God. I hope you can see him too. Well, I hope you cannot see that. I hope that you'll never ever embrace anything so blasphemous as this nonsense. Understand, God is not Santa Claus. God is not a, a magic genie who is there to give you your every wish. He's your father. And he's gonna teach you. And he's gonna mold you. And he's gonna shape you into the person that you need to be. And what is that? Well, Romans 8 tells us he shapes us and he molds us. He conforms us into the very image of Jesus Christ. The Lord's Prayer, the wonder, about the, the wonder of the Lord's Prayer is that as you pray that every day, it shapes you and molds you and makes you more and more like Jesus. My prayer is that you will take the time to learn how to pray this prayer. It takes time. It's not always easy. At first, it's, it can be a little bit difficult, but don't panic. Take your time. Remember, you're not just mechanically going through a religious ritual, a religious formula. You're talking to the Father. And ask God to open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart, open your mind, so that you can pray exactly the way Jesus has taught us to pray. And I'm going to tell you, once you learn to pray it, you'll never go back. It'll absolutely change your life. We had a, a young Bible college student here once who, who vehemently disagreed with me on this. He, he didn't believe that this is how we should pray, even though Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. It's interesting that that Bible college student is, is one of the most confused young men I have ever met. If you want to bring order to your life, start praying this prayer. If you want to start having clarity of your thinking, if you want to start to mature in your faith, start praying through this prayer. It'll change your life forever. Let us pray now. Father, thank you for your kindness to us in giving us what I believe is one of the greatest gifts humans have ever received. Jesus, you taught us how to, how to pray to our Father in heaven, how to have a relationship with our Father in heaven. We're asking now, God, that you give us the grace. I pray that every single person in Cross Church would begin to pray like this, that, Father, we would find our lives transformed because we're praying as Jesus taught us to pray. Father, thank you now that you are giving us the skill, you're giving us the understanding, you're giving us the direction. By your Spirit, O oh God, you are helping us to pray exactly how Jesus prayed. 
And Father, we know that as we pray in this manner, we will have a rich and vibrant and exciting relationship with you. That's our prayer. That's our desire. Because you are Emmanuel, God with us. God, we commit ourselves to you now, and we thank you for your great love and for your great gifts to us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.